Welcome to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Mento, the Christian talk radio show that helps you learn the Word of God so that you may teach others and defend biblical truth. Now, here's your host, Marty Mento. Well, welcome back to Apologetics Talk Radio. I'm your host, Marty Mento, here on the ATR Network, and we are just delighted that you have chosen to join with us here today on this podcast as once again I broadcast from the Sunshine, well, I'm not sure it's designated the Sunshine State, but sun shines here quite often, and I'm talking about in the state of South Carolina. I can tell you right now, it's, wow, just uh, wonderful weather. Sometimes it gets really hot, but today, once again, up in the middle to upper 70s, maybe, maybe the low 80s, but it's just, uh, it can't get much better than this. There's no doubt about it. Well, um, last time on the podcast, we were talking about, uh, well, I I began to talk about, let's put it to you that way, the uh, righteousness of Christ Jesus. I never really got there. And um, from the last podcast, unfortunately, but true, I I really wanted to share the heart of the Apostle Paul and, and, and kind of challenge all of you out there listening, uh, whether or not you want others to be right with God. And, you know, can man make himself right with God? Is there something that man can do to make himself right with God? Can man become righteous and right with God, period? Um, And uh, we talked about Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. And Paul, as I've shared it before, um, he was bearing witness that he really wanted, his desire and his prayer to God was for the salvation of the Jews. Um, he he witnessed and the fact that, hey, listen, they had a zeal for God, but not according or within, in accordance, excuse me, with knowledge. Uh, they did not know about God's righteousness, and they sought to establish their own righteousness. And you've heard me say this before on the program, that really is the world around us. All religious belief systems other than biblical Christianity is trying to find a way and a means to be right with God um, by doing certain things, by not doing other things. And last time on the podcast, I told you about Emma. I want you to continue to pray for her salvation, that God would save her from himself, from his wrath to come upon her if she does not put her faith, her trust in his only begotten son, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. He is the only one who can save her. Uh, he is the only one who can bring about forgiveness of all of her sin. He is the only one who can reconcile her with God the Father. He is the only one through his shed blood, through the sacrifice, through the life that he lived that Emma could not, nor could anyone. And the sacrifice of his blood shed on the cross, uh, there is truly uh, salvation. Uh, there will be adoption. She will be, if she believes and put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ, she will be adopted into uh, uh, the kingdom, into really the family, I should say, of God. And she'll be a co-heir with Christ. But pray for Emma. And I told you about Emma being indoctrinated by the Jehovah Witness. Well, Jehovah Witnesses are no different than all the other religious belief systems of the world. They they have a works-based salvation. The things they must do and the things they shouldn't do in order uh, to find, uh, quote-unquote, appeasement, or find pleasure, find satisfaction, find reconciliation with Jehovah, they would say. 
but again, true biblical salvation is not based upon uh, the works of the law or what we can or cannot do in order to appease or please God. Uh, we are first and foremost saved by grace. And I mentioned this to a few podcasts back, and it is really the passage uh, that all Christians, everyone out there who listens to this podcast, uh, or could be anywhere in the world, they must always remember that passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. Those two verses are a must. You must know them, must understand them, and it's really, you know, we're saved by grace first and foremost. All men are saved by grace. But at the same time, the uh, saving faith that we place in Christ uh, for our salvation is a gift from God, too. Uh, and I could talk about that more in depth. I have another podcast. You can listen to other previous podcasts. But again, I, I just want to encourage you and remind you of this, that Paul was dealing with this, with the Jews. They had not understood, they had not uh, really grasped the reality of knowing about God's righteousness, and they're trying to establish their own. And um, I, I just want to start from there, because I told you this time in this podcast, I, I want to continue on, I want to get into the righteousness of Christ Jesus to help you. Um, the Jews were very religious people, and they still are today. Matter of fact, if you look at religion around the world, you find religious people everywhere. Um, when I moved to the South, uh, the Bible Belt, as they would call it, everywhere I turn, I find many religious people. One of my great burdens, uh, and it's also been one of my, um, uh, I, I guess, great challenges— is that many people in the South, many people who are religious, believe that they're okay with God. And the reason why they believe they're okay with God is because they have a zeal for God, just like the Jews did, as Paul mentioned in Romans 10. And so they do things. They go to church, they pray, you know, they give money, they do uh, things, morally things in the world that, you know, they believe that somehow they are um, you know, they're getting brownie points with God, or they're appeasing God, they're satisfying God, and someday it will be enough uh, to, you know, God to say, hey, welcome to my heaven. You know, you've done really, really well. You've done a lot of good things, and come on in, and this place is here for you. And and unfortunately, but true, they're no different than the Jews. Uh, many cases, they've not heard about God's righteousness. I want to be careful now, because I know sometimes I have a tendency to come across of, of thrown everybody into the same pot, um, you know, or even thrown the baby out with the bathwater. There are um, good, solid gospel Bible teachers and preachers in the South. There are few, <laughs> but they are here, who do truly preach the true gospel. Unfortunately, but true, there are many who do not. And there is, again, just we're filled with religious people. But the same could be said about any religious belief system or anywhere you go in the, in the, in the world. Um, and the Jews were no different. They were God's chosen people. We know that God gave them his oracles, the law. 
We know that he chose him from the beginning. Uh, we know that the prophets, we know that the, the Savior, the, the Messiah, would come from the Jews. Uh, the list goes on. We find that in Romans chapter 9, 4, and 5. Uh, they had a great zeal, which means they were fervent in their mind. They were pursuing God. They were jealousy. They stood opposed and against anything that opposed God. If it was idolatry and the worship of idols and uh, uh, people spoke out against God or the Word of God, the law of God, they, they would be willing to defend even to the death. They were very zealous. But in the midst of it, they truly did not have the true or correct knowledge, or we would simply call it the the sermon or the understanding about God's righteousness. And that's really what I am concerned is happening even today amongst people who are not Jews, uh, who are Gentiles, who may live in the South, may live in the North, East, West, may live in another country, because the true gospel message is not being proclaimed. And I believe when the true gospel message is not being proclaimed, then people are believing and trusting in a false gospel, in a gospel that has no power, in a Jesus that is a false Jesus, a Jesus who can't save anyone, uh, a gospel that is not the power of God, but it is man trying in his own to establish or to make himself right with God. I, I meet people like this all the time, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I have relatives. I have people that are acquaintances. I have friends who actually believe that someday they are, between now and then, between their exit of this world, they are going to make themselves right with God. And they are firmly convinced and even convicted by it. They just have to do and continue not to do certain things and do other things, and they'll be okay. But the problem is, is when you bring the true gospel to someone, you begin to realize that the gospel, once again, is all about the work of God. And you, as an individual, are the recipient of His grace— you as the individual are commanded by God to repent and believe in the gospel. And when we talk about the gospel, the good news, we're talking about Jesus. He is the gospel. And if we don't believe, we're, in essence, as I mentioned before, we're calling God a liar because of what he has proclaimed and what he has done by sending his only begotten Son. And then you have the visible churches, or you have these groups in religious belief systems that gather at their temples or gather at their halls or gather wherever it may be, teaching people to do this and don't do that, and you'll be right with God, and God will accept you, and God will be appeased by what you do. And the truth of the matter is, the only thing that has ever appeased or satisfied the demands of God who is holy is the life and the death and the resurrection of his only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ. That's the only thing, nothing else. But this understanding that the Jews did not have, um, theologically, we call this term illumination. Um, they did not; they weren't illumin, illuminated. They didn't have an understanding, uh, a, a, a proper discernment about God's righteousness. So, again, they do things their way. 
Um, and the Bible says, it's one of my favorite verses, I use it quite often, in Proverbs fourteen twelve. there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads to death or leads to destruction. And, and actually, Paul the Apostle is a prime example of this. Um, if you ever read the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 3, um, Paul talks about this confidence that he had in himself uh, in verse 4 and 5, or actually 4 through 6. He says, Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more, circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, I found blameless. Uh, Paul is basically saying, hey, listen, when it comes to being a Pharisee, when it comes to fulfilling the requirements of the law, I passed the test. I was the top dog. I was the number one in the class. I was the example for other people to follow. If I want to boast about my own righteousness, and hey, I was a Jew, came from the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, hey, let's listen to this. I, I got the credentials. I got the background. Paul was the who's who. He was the star pupil in the uh, school of Gamaliel. He was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was the one who stood out. But as you read on in Philippians chapter 3, you begin to realize that whatever things were of gain to Paul when he was in ignorance, not understanding the righteousness of God, um, he said, I have counted as lost those things now for the sake of Christ. He goes on to say, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Wow! That is a powerhouse of a passage. But Paul lays out the truth here, that, and this is what the Jews had. They, they did not understand God's righteousness, because the righteousness of God is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, matter of fact, um, the Jews, as Paul, you know, once before he was saved, or his life before he was saved, we'll just put it to you that way, the truth of the matter was just simply this, he was not a believer in Jesus Christ. He did not follow the ways of Jesus Christ, and he truly was lost. He was, as we mentioned last podcast, he was by nature a child of wrath. But it's interesting, have you ever read um, Isaiah 53 and really focused on verse 1? The prophet Isaiah asked two questions that always blow my mind. And these two questions, listen to what it says, Who has believed our report? That's question number one. 
Who has believed our report? Well, the report was about the, the Messiah, about the gospel, the good news that God had brought forth to the Jewish people. Who has believed our report? And then it says, question number two, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now that word revealed means to uncover or to remove. Uh, have you ever heard anything on this program? One of the things I talk about is that all men come into this world spiritually blinded. They're blinded. They, they don't seek after God. They're not aware. They're ignorant to the things of God. They don't understand the things of God, Romans chapter 3, uh, etc. And the reason why this is so important is, is because the only thing that can bring forth um, truly sight is God must unveil or take away, reveal uh, to them the truth about his Son, Jesus Christ. And unless God the Father does this, they will never come to know or understand the truth about Jesus. It's a God thing. And so that's why I tell people all the time when it comes to, uh, for instance, when it comes to, um, you know, uh, sharing the gospel with somebody, I am trusting God from beginning to end to do what only God can do. I'm not trusting in myself. I can't save anyone. I can't open someone's eyes that are blind spiritually, but I have to trust the one who can do so. i, I got to trust God to reveal the truth to that person, and only God can do so. Now, he does so through the proclaiming of the gospel, the work of the Holy Spirit, but it, it's, it's referred to here in the Old Testament as uh, the arm of the Lord. In the New Testament, uh, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, My Father who is in heaven, he told Peter, uh, has revealed this to you. The flesh and blood didn't reveal, but my Father's revealed this to you. It's a work of God, period. And so when we talk about salvation, we talk about the work of the Trinity in salvation, and we understand that this is a God thing. So the Jews were blinded spiritually, so the truth about Christ Jesus was not revealed to them, which brought about this jealousy, especially when the gospel went to the Gentiles, and it was being proclaimed that they were followers of God, believers when it went to the Samaritans, uh, etc., uh, the jealousy raged amongst the Jews because the Jews looked at this simply, hey, listen, we are God's chosen people. We belong to God. We, the salvation is, is through the Jews, uh, our, our spiritual fathers, Abraham. And so you know as well as I do that they went forward trying to make proselytes of people. Even though you could not become fully Jewish, you could not have full benefits of what a Jew was and in the temple and things at certain times, uh, you could be a part of them to some degree and then someday experience the benefit and the bliss of being in the kingdom of God with them. But Paul, once again's concern is they don't understand the righteousness of God. They're trying to establish their own. They're trying to follow the law, do what the law tells them to do, and in the midst of all of it, you realize as much as I do, as I put on these podcasts before, no one can keep the law. If you break the law in just one area, you're guilty of all of it. All men are lawbreakers, so all men are guilty before God. So 
when we talk about God's righteousness or the word righteousness, what is righteousness or what is God's righteousness? Well, first of all, God's righteousness is God's infinite perfection in all things. God is perfect. He's holy. He's pure. There's no darkness to God at all, but he's perfect in all that he is and all that he does. But that word righteousness is not only God's infinite perfection, but the word also gives us the meaning of justification. God is just. He does what is just or what is right. Why? Because he's perfect. There's no error in God. Uh, There's no sin about God. That's interesting that we realize that whether it be angels or human beings, all of them have been created with the capability of sinning, but the only one who cannot sin because he's never been created, he always was and always will be, is God. Now, for some people, they say that's, that's, that's a bunch of fairy tales. That's, that's, a, that's a hoax. That's not true. But it is. God has always existed. In the beginning, God. Before there was a beginning, God existed. Uh, There's so much depth to uh, Genesis chapter 1, not to mention throughout other passages of Scripture, but God is eternal. Uh, God has always been and always will be. But God is the creator, too, and anything that God has created, uh, God's creation in itself is capable of sinning. That's why the whole issue, even with the Jehovah Witnesses, in the incarnation, in the birth of Jesus, which they believe actually Jesus first was created by God as Michael the archangel, then became Jesus on the earth, uh, and he was perfect, or he was, you know, he did not sin while he was here. Uh, The truth of the matter is that cannot be, because anything that God has created, whether it be angels or human beings, they have been created with the capacity to sin, except for God. And that's why Jesus is God, because Jesus can't sin. Jesus will never sin. Jesus hasn't sinned, because Jesus is fully God and also fully man. He's the God-man. And I don't want to get off base here, but going back to the righteousness of God, God is just, he does what is right in all situations, and all circumstances. Everything that God does is right. There's nothing that he does do or does say that isn't right, that isn't just, that isn't perfect. And that's why, you know, so often, I don't know if you do it at your church, but when I've been a pastor at churches or even as a guest speaker, when I go to a church, I ask people to stand in honor of reading God. Word, the Bible, because I believe that as we stand, we are honoring the fact and bringing forth honor to God because it is His Word, and God is perfect, God is holy, and what He brings forward is holy, is pure, and um, we need to pay attention to it. Uh, We need to to revere it. Um, We need to pay respect because we are hearing from God as we read God's Word. Um, And again, I I cannot stress this enough, uh, because I think today we have a real lack of good, wholesome, biblical understanding of God. 
And I, I know that when, when a Christian or a congregation doesn't have a good, wholesome handle on who God is, it affects the way we worship, it affects our lives individually, it affects us corporately as the church, uh, it affects the way we look at the world and, and the things that happen, and it affects us in evangelism and discipleship. I go on and on and on. It, it, it really causes a, a downward spiral. It causes uh, sin uh, because we don't have a good, wholesome understanding of God. Then what do we do? Just like the Jews, we try to establish our own righteousness. We try to come up with the answer on our own. Well, um, we know from, like, for instance, chapter 2 of Romans. Romans chapter 2 gives us details of God's righteous judgment upon mankind. After declaring in chapter 1 the reality of man, which is given in greater detail actually in chapter 3. So we, we find from reading the book of Romans, which if you've never studied the book verse by verse and taken the time and breaking it down, um, what a joy, but also hold on tight, strap in, put on the airbag. It's going to be a rough ride because you're going to find out the reality about you and the reality about God. But again, I, I, I really believe that's what the church needs today. We talk about having revival as we did in the last podcast. That's what we need. We need a good, wholesome understanding of who God is and who we are. And um, we also learn very quickly from, like, Romans 3.10, um, 23, you know, man within himself is not righteous at all. There's not even one righteous person. Matter of fact, in Isaiah, we find in the book of Isaiah that all the righteousness of man, any righteousness at all, is, is that of, of a filthy rag which is a picture of a, a woman's, um, you know, uh, during her menstrual cycle, the rag that was used uh, to stop the bleeding, which you can only imagine if you just picture that for a moment and, and how ugly and, and horrifying that is, that is the righteousness of man. Man is not righteous. So in that, we, we have the bad news, but we also have the good news because God, who is righteous, who is just, who does what is right, it tells us that he is just and the justifier of the unjust. Romans three twenty-five and 26. He's the just and the justifier of the unjust. So the truth of the matter is, God's righteousness is a true, genuine righteousness, and man's righteousness is not. It, it, there's nothing about it. it, it it's, it's flawed. It, it, it's not righteous. It's not pure. It's not perfect. Uh, man can't do what is right on his own. Man, man can't bring forth even judgment because there's always a bias. There's, there's something that skews man um, when he looks upon another man, when he looks upon himself— uh, etc. It's it's never right because it is skewed because we're in this tent that has fallen. We are sinners by nature, doing what sinners do. And again, Romans chapter three will give us that picture. And ultimately, we begin to realize that man refuses to submit to God's righteousness, which ultimately is to what submit 
to Jesus Christ. Now, I, I think that that's where the, it comes to really the pinnacle of all of it. We began to realize that that is what is behind all of this, and that is what stands on the forefront. When we talk about the righteousness of God, we're talking about that which is displayed in his Son, Jesus Christ, to us who are sinners. And um, like, for instance, uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12 says this, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone, meaning Jesus, which the which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now, see, the truth of the matter is that's, that is the reality. God, who is righteous, sent his righteous Son. And it is his righteousness because man's not righteous. And to submit to him is to believe, is to receive his Son, Jesus Christ, by repenting and believing, by changing the way you think, which ultimately will change your direction because your mind has been changed. Uh, And again, it's a work of God. I've talked about this before, but ultimately you are going to believe, you're going to put your faith and your trust in the only one and the only name that has been given to us by God for salvation, and that is Jesus Christ, period. There's no other way. There's no other means. But what happens to most people? They reject. That's what the Jews did. That's my point here in this, is they weren't willing to submit to God's righteousness. Um, And in many cases, if not all, they didn't know about God's righteousness, so some could claim ignorance to some degree. But the truth of the matter is, ignorance can no longer be proclaimed to people um, because Paul is making it clear to them that the gospel is now being presented, the gospel is now being proclaimed, and in that gospel, God's gospel, is the righteousness of God, is the understanding that here it is Jesus. He is the righteousness of God. You must submit to him. Um, I, I, I think to myself when Paul, one of my favorite passages in Acts chapter 17, when Paul is um, proclaiming the gospel in front of, of people, he, he, he's there on, on this um, Areopagus. He's there um, speaking forth the truth, and he's telling people that God has overlooked the times of ignorance, and now God is declaring to men that all everywhere should repent, because he's fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. In other words, the righteousness is going to be brought forth by the one who is righteous, who is raised from the dead, the righteous one, Jesus Christ himself. So as I look at this, and as we look at this together here on this podcast, um, we realize that as believers, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Um, 
the Jews were already taught, they already told by Jesus, unless their righteousness surpassed or exceeded that of the Pharisees, that they would perish. I mean, I mean, truth of the matter, it had to, you know, had to supersede the Pharisee. Well, the Pharisee was the example, the religious leader. Everyone believed that the Pharisees were men of God. They knew God. They walked with God. Um, but you know as well as I do, that was not the case. Matter of fact, if if you don't understand that, I would encourage you to spend time and really study the book of Matthew. I believe it's chapter 23 as I look here quickly. But in Matthew chapter 23, and I want to make sure I'm right on this because sometimes sometimes I'll bring forth a chapter and I'll, I'll just, my mind will start spinning. But um, they... Um, the Pharisees were always the ones who stood before the people truly as, quote-unquote, the example for others to follow. And the truth of the matter is, the Pharisees themselves were not who everybody thought them to be. Uh, they would tell people to do things that they themselves refused to do. Uh, they really, truly, in their lives in which they lived behind the scenes— were not genuine. Uh, and Jesus knew this, and how he knew this, not only by their actions, um, and, and again, I was correct, it's Matthew chapter 23, and he talks about the scribes and the Pharisees who seated themselves in the chair of Moses. And In other words, they put themselves in a high spiritual place. Therefore, they all tell you to do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. They tie heavy burdens and loads around people's necks and shoulders, but they're unwilling to do them themselves or move a thing. So if you read Matthew 23, it'll blow you away. Because the reality was, Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpasses that or exceeds that, in Matthew 5.20, you aren't going to see the kingdom. Well, in their mind, how could how could you be more righteous than a Pharisee? Some people do that today in the church. They think that the most righteous person in the church is the pastor, or the most righteous person in the church is the, the elders, or the deacons, or the priest. But the truth of the matter is, there is none that are righteous. And the only righteousness that we would have is a righteousness that is not our own, but a righteousness that is imputed by Christ on our account. Uh, think about this. In Matthew 5, 48, God demanded that the Jews be perfect, which means righteous. they got to be perfect. they got to be righteous. So you know from Malachi, if you've ever studied the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 18, there's two type of people in the world. There's the wicked people and the righteous people. There are those who serve God and those who don't serve God. There are those who obey and want to obey and recognize the law of God as good and want to do, and those who don't and, and absolutely refuse. But, but listen to me carefully. Man cannot and man will never be justified or declared righteous by God through keeping the law or trying to gain eternal life through his own efforts. It's never going to happen. It's impossible for a person to do so. Matter of fact, when we talk about being justified, 
we're talking about being declared righteous by God. Um, and the problem is man is not righteous. So when we talk about, like, for instance, and a lot of people just, and again, for some this may be basic, and for others I, I think they've never heard this. It says in chapter 5 of Romans, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if you study chapter 4, it is justification by faith alone, talking about Abraham and talking about the fact that no one is justified by works. Also, in the book of Galatians, talks about the same thing. And the truth of the matter is, being justified or being declared righteous by God is done so by having faith or placing our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. It's not based upon works or something that we can do. And see, men, religious people, um, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, Jews today who practice Judaism, the Muslims, the Baha'i, I don't care who it is, if you are in a religious belief system other than biblical Christianity, or you belong to a church, we'll say, we'll keep it in, in evangelical circles, if, if you belong to a church that is that is not proclaiming the true gospel, it is proclaiming a gospel of works, a gospel in which says that you can and you should be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. And by doing this or not doing that, you'll be justified or declared righteous by God, or you'll be made righteous. There's even some out there who claim to be Christians who said that God will make you righteous. And that's, and I already told you that Isaiah said all of man's righteousness, any part of his righteousness is like filthy rags. It's impossible. Why? Because we're in this tent, because we're sinners. We're guilty before God. We, we, we cannot be righteous. There's not even one in our world who's righteous. So the big question comes, then how did a Jew or how does anyone become righteous in the eyes of God? The answer is, is revealed, is made known in the gospel message. Uh, it is through Christ Jesus. It is by the life, the death, the resurrection, by the work of Christ who is righteous in our lives. Um, and so the only way a, a person, whether it be Jew or Gentile, the only way they could ever be made just or right in the eyes of God is by believing, by putting their faith or their trust in or upon Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. That's where we find in the book of Romans chapter 4, as I mentioned, Galatians chapter 3, uh, this is a reality when one believes in Jesus Christ by faith alone, then the righteousness of Christ Jesus is imputed upon the one who believes. Now, when I use the word imputed, and again, because of time, uh, the word imputed means um, that which is credited or placed upon one's account. It's reckoned to. You don't become righteous. Christ is righteous. You're not. But when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation— his righteousness is imputed onto your account. That's why you are forgiven. You are no longer guilty. You're no longer condemned. You are now reconciled with God the Father. Uh, you are no longer an enemy. Uh, you're no longer dead in your sins and your trespasses. You've been made alive. Uh, God has removed your guilt as far as the east is from the west. 
there is no longer condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because his righteousness is now imputed unto you. He is our righteousness, 1 Corinthians 1.30. Um, the imputation of Christ's righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21, Philippians 3.8 and 9. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. And so this righteousness, which is a foreign righteousness, which is not our own, that's why they call it foreign in theological circles, um, it's not infused inside of us. It's not—the Roman Catholics teach this, and that's why they baptize their babies. They say that and it's, it's part of the first sacrament, that if a baby is baptized in, in Roman Catholicism— that the righteousness of God is infused into that baby, so he's no longer guilty, um, and he starts afresh right from there on. Uh, he's no longer condemned. To, that's why they, they have to get baptized, because the righteousness of God's infused into them. So the stain of original sin is wiped away, which is not true at all. Um, it's just not. And, and again, I, I could do a long podcast about that, but the, the truth of the matter is, God's righteousness is not infused into us. We don't become righteous. If that were true, then we would be without sin. We would be perfect. We would be, uh, we are declared righteous by God. Now, when God declares us righteous, he is the just judge, and in his divine courtroom, uh, he declares that. It's a judicial term. Uh, it's forensic in nature. It's a declaration by God. We're declared to be righteous, not on a righteousness of our own, but on the righteousness that is from his only begotten Son, because he is righteous. Remember, only God is righteous. We're not. And that's why this um, imputed righteousness is so important for us to understand. And again, we don't become righteous. Now, there are some systems out there, even within the Christian realm, who say that we could obtain a place and a point in our life where we are no longer, we don't sin anymore. We have reached a, a pinnacle point where there's no longer sin. Um, we live our lives in this earth without sin. There are different groups that teach it. One of the groups is the Nazarenes, and there's others out there. I think the Wesleyans may teach that also, but they teach this, you know, you could, this holiness, and holiness movement groups teach it too, that, that you could obtain this, this pinnacle, this plateau in your life where you're no longer sinning at all. I had a guy many, many, many years ago told me he reached it. He said um, that he was without sin. And I looked at him and I said, um, you've just sinned. He said, what do you mean? I said, you lied. And he got really mad with me. And I went to First John, and I said, if you say you're without sin, you're, you're calling God a liar. And in First John, it's written to believers, and why would the verse that you, we, we have one who, you know, who mediates on our behalf, we have one who we can go to and through um, when it comes to sin, and the truth of the matter is it tells us that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What do we do with that? See, there are some people who want to believe that we can actually reach that, pin reach that pinnacle, and in different circles it's called different things. Um, you know, perfectionism, one is one group calls it, 
you know, um, complete holiness, another group would call it. There's different, you know, titles given to it, but the, but the bottom line is simply this. It's impossible. We don't become righteous. It is Christ-imputed righteousness on our account. And that's why the Bible declares in Isaiah 61.10, those who believe or those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they are now clothed in the robe of Christ Jesus' righteousness. His robe of righteousness is upon us. It covers us. It covers our sin. Our guilt, we are no longer guilty. That's why the Father can look upon us. That's why the mediator, the Son, uh, that's why we have been set free. We are no longer guilty, no longer condemned, because of the righteousness of Christ, because we have believed, we have placed our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, for our salvation, for the forgiveness of our sins, for reconciliation, adoption into the family of God. That's why we have peace with God. We're reconciled. And uh, we are no longer at odds with God. In Romans chapter 5, we're no longer guilty. And our sin is actually imputed unto Christ. That's why he went to the cross and he died for our sins. Our sins are imputed unto him. He carried our sins. He suffered, bled, and died for our sins. He took the penalty, paid the price that we could not pay. And in return, for those when we believe, his righteousness is imputed, is placed upon our account. And again, I could say so much more about this. This is, this is good stuff. When you start getting into this, and I know for some of you out there, you may want me to say more. There's a lot more to this in the sense, I think I have given you the foundation I have, you know, laid the foundation, I've put up some walls, but there's, there's much that you can study within the Word of God to this. But here's the bottom line. All men are justified or declared righteous by God only one way, and that is through placing their faith, their trust upon Jesus Christ and Him alone for their salvation. Um, if you have then his righteousness is imputed unto your account. You're no longer guilty. You're no longer an enemy. Your sins have been forgiven, all of them, the past, the present, the future. You no longer are condemned. You are a child of the living God. If you have not put your faith or trust in Jesus Christ, and you're seeking to establish your own, you think it's based upon what you do and what you don't do then you have completely, you completely have missed the mark. You don't understand the gospel. You don't understand why God sent his only begotten Son into the world. Um, and you stand condemned, and you're condemned by God, the righteous, just judge, who's perfect in all that he says and does. And someday you will be one who receives his just judgment. His wrath will be placed upon you. And that's why the book of John, like for instance, John chapter 3, and I know so much is said so often about John three sixteen and 17 and 18, but if you read them, you see here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, and he who does not believe has been judged already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not believe or obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You go to the book of Galatians, and you read in Galatians chapter 3, you come to understand um, how they received the Spirit. Was by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Um, you know, how how is a person reckoned by God as righteous? Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Um, you know, it tells us in Romans chapter 4 and that, in, in other places, that you're, you're never going to be justified or declared righteous or be right by God um, by observing the law, doing the things, keeping the Ten Commandments, which nobody can do. Uh, the list goes on and on. The point is simply this. Um, the Jews had not heard the gospel. Paul was bringing them the gospel. He was suffering he was called and sent to the Gentiles, but his heart's desire was for the Jews, his kinsmen, his brothers. He wanted them to know the truth. And the, and the reality is, is God has to do a work that only God can do in people's lives. We are trusting them. But I am here to tell you today as I close and wrap up this, this time period together, unfortunately but true, there are many people, many people in our world today with all different belief systems that they're trying to gain, they're trying to force, they're trying to find a way into that realm of bliss and joy, uh, being with God in the very end. And some of you who will listen to this podcast, you're one of them. And I know who you are because some of them are my friends and family. You're trying to do something or keeping from not doing something, believing that somehow you're going to make it right with God in the very end. And that's just not true. It has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with what God has done for you through his grace. By grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man shall boast. Again, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Study it. Read it. Look at what the Scriptures say to us. Uh, matter of fact, look at Titus chapter 3, verse 5. It's, it's another one of my all-time verses that I use quite often as I share with people because it shares so much truth. It says here, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness. See, the reason is, is because we can't do deeds in righteousness. We're not righteous. And our deeds aren't righteous. But according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, it's all about Jesus. It's all about God's grace in salvation. It's all about what he has done, not what you have done not what you will do. And again, folks, uh, for those out there who are Roman Catholic, their system is a system of salvation based upon works, of the seven sacraments, and following along with those sacraments, believing that somehow you will be made right, at least right enough to go to purgatory. 
and then from purgatory you'll be prayed and paid out of heaven. Again, a works-based salvation. You can't pay or pray anybody out of anywhere into heaven. That would be work salvation. That's what it is. It's a false gospel, a false salvation. Salvation is by grace. God is the one who bestows his grace. God is the one who gives man the answer. And the answer is found only in his only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. So I hope and pray today that somehow uh, you've learned something together with me as we looked at the righteousness of Christ. I pray that you want others to know the truth. And as Paul had that prayer and he had that desire and that longing deep inside, again, he went forward with the gospel message telling them the truth about his, his Lord, his Savior, his King, Jesus. Salvation is only through Christ Jesus and no one else. There's no other name that has been given under heaven by which man must be saved. Hey, thanks for listening once again to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Minto, here on the ATR Network. Don't forget, free pamphlet, Who is Jesus to You? For you to carry around to help you as you share the gospel and also to use evangelistically as you share Jesus Christ with other people. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and your family. If you have questions, comments, concerns, email me, martyminto at gmail.com. Until next time, God bless.